Amen. Amen. How's everyone doing this morning? Come on, you guys have a reason to praise God this morning. Come on, how's everyone doing this morning? All right, all right. Remain standing as we get into the Word of God today. Because today, this morning, we're starting a brand new series. And I'm going to give you the title of that series shortly. But I want to read something that really just spoke to me in 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. But before I read, I want to ask you guys a question. How many of you really need the wisdom of God in a specific area in your life right now? Show me your hands. All right, come on. Keep those hands up. I want to pray for you right now about that. I'm going to read and I'm going to pray again. Can I do that? Keep those hands up if you need wisdom. Father, I pray this morning... And I declare that we are completely dependent upon you and your grace. We've come here to worship. We've come here to fellowship. We've come here to learn. But I know that many here right now are maybe listening online. Lord, they need wisdom. They need to know what to do. They need to know what decision to make, what, where to go, what to avoid. It's a scary world today. We're afraid to make the wrong choices, go the wrong direction. So, Father, as we learn about wisdom this morning, help us to understand how to get it from you and only you in Jesus' name. Now let's read 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. Solomon said this to the Lord, O Lord, my God, you've made me king instead of my father David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. You ever feel like that in life? I just don't know my way around. And here I'm in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me understanding. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern the great people of yours? The Lord was pleased with Solomon as he asked for wisdom. God replied, Because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice, and you have not asked for long life, you didn't ask for wealth, you didn't even ask for the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart, such as no one else has ever had. And verse 13 spoke to me. And I will also give you what you did not ask for. I want to stop right there. I will give you what you did not even ask for. How many of you want God to not only give you what you ask, but give you more than you've asked for? Come on, give me some praise. Give God some praise here this morning. You guys can have a seat as we get ready for this series. I want to just tell you guys that we're starting a brand new series entitled, put it up there, Barbie, entitled, Bless This Mess. Come on, say that with me. Bless This Mess. How many of you have a mess in your life right now? At least a little mess, a little mess. All right, how, all right, that's a messed up person. How many of you have a big mess in your hands right now? All right, how many of your life is so messed up that you just cover it up and you don't even want to, you pretend your life is not even a mess? You're so good at it, you're pretending right now. You're not going to say, if I raise my hand, I blow my cover. But everyone here this morning, everyone listening online, everyone who's not even here right now, I can guarantee you this. All of us will encounter a messy situation in our life. The reality is, though, when we get into this mess in our lives, we tend to want to either blame others for our mess, blame ourselves, or even blame God. But see, there's a big lie that we believe when our lives are a mess. And that is, it will never get better again. And when you read through the Bible, the reason that we're doing this eight-week series on Bless This Mess it's because as I began to study the Bible these past few months, I realized that just about everyone in the Bible that God used except Jesus 
Everyone in the Bible that God used, that God blessed, that God did something great through, they were a mess. They weren't perfect. They weren't called by God because they had it all together. In fact, some of the greatest people in the Bible were pretty messed up before God got a handle on them. So if you're here this morning or you're listening online and you're saying, I don't think God can use me. I don't think God can change me. I don't think God can bless me. You don't know God. Because when I read this book, when I read the Bible, I see God is in the business of turning not only a messy situation into a blessing, but God is also in the business of turning messy people into a blessing. So when you look at the scriptures, we're going to look through a lot of people in the Bible who are a mess, who made a mess of their lives because of their choices, who made a mess of their lives because of who they married. We're going to see a lot of people in the Bible who made a mess of their lives because they were stubborn. I know that's not you, but I'm just talking about the people in the Bible. The reality is that a lot of us can really relate to these people in the Bible we're going to talk about the next eight weeks and really learn, here's the whole purpose behind this series. You're going to learn every service after every service how to mess up your life and how to let God use that to bless your life. You guys ready for this series? Come on. Let's pray now. Father, bless this word. Bless the mess we're about to get into. Let us leave this service today completely filled with wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to talk about a messed up person today. His name's Solomon. Solomon came from a messed up family. That's why I love Solomon, because some of us, some people in life think that they're discredited because of who their parents were. Maybe you didn't have the perfect father, the perfect mother, the perfect childhood, but that doesn't mean that the perfect God that you serve can't do anything with you. Solomon, well, he was born out of wedlock. Solomon had a pretty messed up family reputation. See, his father, David, had an affair with his mom named Bathsheba. We all know this story, but what's interesting is that when David committed this horrible act, the Bible says that even though David repented of his sin and he made things right, he married Bathsheba, the Bible says that as a consequence, God, he took the child that was born out of this sin away. Let me explain something to you, because you, you might repent, you might turn your life around, you might change your mind, you might turn to God, and God will forgive you through His grace and mercy, but there are still consequences. But what I love about Solomon is that as Solomon was now born from David and Bathsheba, the name Solomon means peace. Why is that so significant? Because a lot of us... You can relate to David. David made an emotional decision. David made a bad choice. David committed this horrible act. He had this regret. But in the end, when he repented and he made things right for himself and he got right with God, even though he learned from the consequences, God brought Solomon out of it because God is letting us know when you repent and turn back to me, when you make things right with me, I may give you consequences. Learn from it. Get over it because in the end I can still bring peace out of the situation you made. God can still bring peace out of a mess. So when you look at the life of David and Bathsheba and how God used this to bring about Jesus generations later, don't tell me that God can't fix your life. Don't tell me that God can't turn anything around. It may be messy now, but there is a peace and there is a blessing out of what you are currently calling messed up. So Solomon is here, and now Solomon, he's called to be king, but there's one problem. He doesn't know anything about being a king. 
See, Solomon, he represents now the situation you have no experience to handle. Solomon represents the problem you can't face. He's called to do something he knows he can't do. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when there's a task that has been given to you that goes beyond your ability to even understand, let alone handle? For some, it can be a job you're in right now. And this task has been placed on top of you and you just don't know how you're going to do it. Like Solomon said, I'm a child. That word child simply means I'm inexperienced. I'm clueless. I don't know what to do. It takes great humility to admit you do not know. Maybe it's a child that you have the task of raising. I don't know what that's like, but based on your face, I know it's not easy. And you're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to raise this child that God gave me. I don't know how he or she's going to grow up to be a functional member of society, let alone godly. God, I need wisdom. My, my daughter, my son, they're going into this phase, this stage right now. I don't know what to do. It can be a job. It can be kids. It can be your marriage. You enter into this marriage and the honeymoon is great and everything is great the first, I don't know, two, three years. And then... What happens? You're realizing something. Marriage is hard. And God, I don't know what to do. See, all of us, like Solomon, we're going to get into this position where what we're faced goes beyond our ability to understand. But praise God who says, I have all understanding. And I will give you understanding. See, God shows up in a dream that Solomon had. And he says, what do you want me to do? If God would ask you that, let me answer what you would answer. Some of you would mention money. Can I get an amen? Don't lie. I just need a little bit more money, God, and I'll be happy. God, I just, I just need to be married. I'm tired of being single, which isn't a bad thing. I don't know why I complain. I'm God, I just want to be happy. God, I just, I just want to retire. God, I just want a bigger house. See, if God would ask this question in our generation today, the answer would probably be about you. And you think that this is what I need. But Solomon, he said, God, I just need wisdom. Because I can't do what you've called me to do. I, I can't govern your people. I don't know the first thing about being a king. And what I loved and read this I realized that God was so moved by his answer that God said, not only am I going to give you what you've asked for, I'm going to give you more than you've asked for. Because you can live a life where God can meet your needs or surpass your needs. What do you want? If you want the surpassing power of God in your life, you have to have the heart of Solomon. And I'm going to teach you what that heart is. But you're not going to like it, and you're most likely not going to do it. It's that hard. I'm just preaching this so that I'm in heaven. I say, I told him, God. And I don't get the blame for your miserable life. Let's go to James chapter 1, verse 5. Let me explain something to you. The Bible is clear. If you need what? Wisdom. Ask our generous God. You don't have to live this life trying to figure it out, stressing out, overwhelmed. What am I going to do? And what if God says, do you need wisdom? Yes. Ask me. 
Ask me. Why don't we ask God for wisdom? Because then that requires that you actually have a relationship with Him and you walk with Him. I know, I love how quiet it is. I need wisdom. God says, ask. Ask me. He says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He will give it to you. He will. He will not rebuke you for asking. Why does the Bible say he will not rebuke you for asking? Because he's letting us know, don't feel guilty for asking me for wisdom. You know what the problem is? We feel guilty asking God for wisdom because sometimes we think, We've gone too far in making a mess in our life. And God, I don't even deserve to ask you because I know that I've done wrong. I know I've made a bad choice. I know I shouldn't have done this. And I don't even think I should ask you to forgive me. I don't think I should ask you for wisdom. I don't think I should ask you for understanding because God, I I did this in the past and I'm ashamed. Or I don't think I should ask for wisdom because I should know better already. I've been a Christian for five years, 10 years, 15 years. How can I even ask God for this wisdom when I, I, I've been in the faith for so long. See, a lot of us, we don't ask God because we think God is mad at us. But God doesn't get mad at anyone that comes to Him no matter how messed up your life is, no matter how messy things are. If you would go before God and say, Lord, I need you, why wouldn't a generous God give you that? Why wouldn't God just say, you called upon me and I will answer you? God doesn't say, oh, now you're asking. Oh, you should know this. Well, I'm not even going to tell you because you probably aren't going to even do it. God says, ask me. And I'll give you wisdom. Ask me. And I'll give you understanding. In your pride, you think you got this in life. In your arrogance, you think you don't need God. But your life can turn around and be so much better. And you can not only get out of a mess that you're in right now, you can avoid future messes when you make it a habit to seek God for His wisdom. Lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge Him. But we have a generation that doesn't want to acknowledge God anymore. And that's why we're in the mess we're in right now in this country. We have a God with all wisdom who says, ask me. And you're not going to ask him? He's ready to give it. Not knowledge. Wisdom. Anyone can get knowledge. But not everyone can get wisdom. You think, well, pastor, what's the difference? Knowledge can be obtained by just reading and learning and memorizing. But see, wisdom is the ability to apply that knowledge in the right circumstance. The problem is not that you don't know. The problem is you're not applying the wisdom of God into your life. God has wisdom for every area of your life in the Bible. I've yet to come across a person with a problem that I say, listen, I'm sorry, that is just not in the Bible. Whether it's children, whether it's marriage, whether it's finances, whether it's health, anything, God has wisdom for. See, wisdom... When you have wisdom, you're able to discern what is right. When you have discernment, it simply means you're able to see the truth for what something is. Wisdom is the ability to discern what is right in order to choose what is right. See, when you have discernment because of wisdom, you're able to see the truth about something or someone. Let me prove this to you. How many of you would not be in the mess you're in had you known the truth about someone or something before? Say amen. Amen. That's discernment. And if you have the ability to discern what is right and what is wrong, 
you're able to then make the choice to do what is right. And if you choose to do what is right, you know what you're doing automatically? You're avoiding what is wrong. We tend to think that Solomon was the wisest person that ever lived. That's not true. You know what pastor it is? The Bible even says it. Yeah, but let me rephrase it. Solomon was not the wisest man that ever lived. Solomon was the wisest fool that ever lived. You say, well, pastor, why do you say that? Because the Bible says nothing was too hard for Solomon to solve. He had knowledge upon knowledge upon knowledge about everything. Things that you read about that are useless. The Bible says he knew about flowers. Why is that important? But all of a sudden, he was an expert in gardening. He was an expert in animals. He was an expert in the stars and the cosmos. God gave him so much knowledge about everything. But the problem is, in the end of his life, he messed it up. Because he did not apply wisdom to his knowledge. He knew the right thing he had to do, but chose not to. See, you can know what to do. Some of you, your life is a mess, and you know why. Some of you know what you need to do to get out of your mess. The problem is, you're not wise enough to do it. And you're not making that choice. Solomon was the wisest fool that ever lived, who made bad choices. Throughout the Bible, you read people that had knowledge, but not wisdom. And they made bad choices. You think about Moses, who made a bad choice because of his emotions. And he made an emotional decision out of anger to kill someone. You think about David, who we talked about, who made an emotional decision out of lust. Jesus told a story about a prodigal son who made a decision and a choice out of greed. You think about Peter, who made a horrible choice out of his own emotional pressure. The Bible is filled with people who were wise. This was Peter who walked with Jesus and grew in knowledge, the Bible says, but he was not wise. The problem is not knowledge. The problem is you are not applying wisdom to what you know. So we make wrong choices. And if you want to make a mess of your life, choose wrong. It's that simple. If you want to make a mess in any area of your life, choose wrong. Choices will always be the reason for your destruction. Choices will always be the reason for the mess in your life. And a difference between a life of a mess and a life of being blessed is all in the choices you make. Deuteronomy 30.15 One of the most frightening verses in the Bible. God says, now listen. Today, I'm giving you a what? A choice. Between life and death. Between prosperity and disaster. Isn't it interesting that God calls a choice literally a life or death situation? If you had a life or death situation, you would be very careful of what you do. If you knew that the next step you take will determine whether you live or die, you wouldn't just walk blindly and casually. You would be careful, right? That's what God is saying. God wants you to be that cautious and that aware of choices. Choices matter. And they will affect not only you, but your choices will affect everyone around you. Choices are life or death, are prosperity or disaster. Why are marriages a disaster? Because you chose the wrong person. 
half the time. Why our families are messed today? Because in a disaster, because of wrong choices in parenting. Why are we in a financial crisis and a mess all the time? Because this financial disaster is a result of your financial choices. See, choices will either mean prosperity or disaster. So God says, choose. The reason that Solomon made a mess of his life was because he had a life or death situation to make. And it all started when God told him, do not marry a non-believer. Do not mingle, do not choose a wife from the surrounding nations. That's it, that's all God told him. Because God warned him, they will turn your heart away, Solomon. Solomon said, got it. And then the king, Pharaoh, comes from Egypt and says, hey, I want to make a treaty. And Solomon's like, man, that's awesome. Yeah, we won't be enemies. All right, in order to seal this deal, I'm going to give you my daughter as your wife. Here's the problem, though. She's from Egypt, and Egypt, they don't even worship God, and she's a non-believer, and she's a pagan worshiper. But Solomon said, well, but God, she's pretty hot. But God, I, th- I think I can flirt and convert her, and, and, and maybe I can make her into a little Israelite. Maybe. And Solomon compromises. In this life or death choice, he could have trusted God and said, no, I'm sorry, I can't get into that marriage. That is not wise. He knew it was wrong, but it's not about knowledge, it's about wisdom. Because you can know what's wrong, but if you still choose to do it, you are not wise. And he compromised and made a wrong choice. And you fast forward later on, and he has over a thousand wives. And it started with one choice. Because one bad choice opens up the opportunity for more bad choices. And when you walk into those bad choices, you fall into more bad choices and more bad compromises. And before you know it, you look back and you say, how did I ever get in this mess? Fast forward and rewind, sorry. You rewind and you say, well, it all started when I did this. I want you to think about the biggest mess in your life. Whether you're over it or still in it. Now hit the rewind button. When did it start? It was a choice. A choice you made. Can I get a witness today? It was a choice. Solomon made a mess of his life. Because of a choice. So I want to teach you quickly how to make a mess of your life. Because what I'm thinking, I said, God, I need wisdom here. How did Solomon become the wisest fool in the world? How did Solomon go from having it all and being blessed by God to losing it all? In the end of Solomon's life, the enemies and his adversary were all on him, attacking him. Couldn't get victory in anything. God was not protecting him anymore. Why? In order to understand how Solomon made a mess of his life, you have to first understand why God first blessed him. And you just do the opposite. You want to make a mess of your life? Do the opposite of what would bless your life. Isn't that interesting? You want to make a mess of your life? Do the opposite of what would truly bless your life. How to make a mess of your life? Verse 13, this is why Solomon was blessed in the first place. You guys ready for this? Brace yourself. It's hard. 
He said, I will give you also, I would also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you the rest of your life. And let me explain something to you. When God said, I'm going to give you more than you asked for, I'm going to bless you. The only reason God said this and did this in Solomon is because Solomon asked for wisdom. But he didn't just ask for wisdom. That's what we think. But when you really think about why God blessed him, it's found in 2 Chronicles 1.11. This is the account of Solomon. The Bible said, God said to Solomon, because your greatest desire is to what? Help your people. And you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies for a long life, but rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern what? My people. The first reason God blessed Solomon is not just because he asked for wisdom, it was the motive behind what he was asking wisdom for. Solomon wanted wisdom to be a blessing to other people. To serve other people. Because your greatest desire is for others and not you. I'm going to bless you. You want to be blessed in this life? Let your greatest desire be about God and others. And watch what God does for you. That's why God said the greatest command is love God and love others as you love yourself. When you live a life to love God as others because you know you love yourself, God can bless you. So Solomon, he said, God, I just want wisdom to be a blessing to your people. I don't want this to be about me. I don't want this to be about my pleasure, my happiness, my contentment, my money, my desires. I don't want it to be about me. I need my life to be about others. That's my greatest desire. Can I ask you an honest to God question? Is that your greatest desire right now? Is your greatest desire about someone else? Being a blessing to someone else? Why do you want what you want? Is it for others? That's why God blessed Solomon. Because his mind was on God and his mind was on others. Where did Solomon go wrong? Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Notice his tone and language now. Let's see together as a church if we can find a word in this story here, a theme. You guys ready? And, and I'm going to count to three and you're all going to say it. Let's see if you guys can get this. All right. So, I became greater than all who lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed. Me, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work and rewarded my Labors. Let's say the theme. One, two, three. And me. Want to mess up your life? Let that be the story of your life. What about me? But I wanted it. God, that's not fair, God. What about me? And me. He's so arrogant. He says, my wisdom. Was it his wisdom? But he forgot about God because when you become selfish, you forget about God. He said, I had wisdom. I wanted this. I did it. I got it. Whatever I wanted, it was mine. It was all about me, my material, my pleasure, my gain, my power, me, me, me. And the earlier Solomon was like, Lord, I need help. I can't do this. But he got a little arrogant here, didn't he? You know what happened to Solomon? 
The first reason God blessed them was because his motive was about God and others. But the reason now he made a mess of his life is because his life became about only himself. Solomon became self-absorbed. Like a sponge, that's what I thought about. You ever notice a sponge? All they know what to do is absorb. You put them in any liquid, and naturally absorbs. Can I tell you something about where we're at right now? I believe we are living with the most self-absorbed generation. This is the generation of selfie. Social media, so people can see what I'm doing. It's all about my feelings. You offended me. And we become so self-absorbed. Don't think this isn't you. But you know that people can go to church and they're self-absorbed? You're like, no. Yeah. You come into church, pastor didn't say hi to me. It's time to go to another church. That's it. That's it. Frankie didn't do my song. That ain't your song. It's God's song. She didn't sing my song. And I told her. You come to church, feed me, pastor. Feed me. Come on, pastor. Come on. Pastor, teach me. You've been in this church long enough. You can preach here now. You're still acting like a fool. But you have knowledge. It's me. It's it's all about me. I'm self-absorbed. What about me? People go into church like this. People get into marriage like this. Man, I want you all... It's not allowed. Maybe I'll ask the board for permission. But... I want, to, I want you to sit down with me with one session in the counseling with couples. Premarital counseling is where I lose my mind. Premarital counseling is why I'm still single. I'm like, uh-uh. One question I asked them. Why do you want to be married? Well, because I want someone to wake up to. Because I, one guy, not here now, but one guy, this was years ago, he said, I, 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 just, I just need someone to do my laundry and cook when I get home and be there for me. And who, who wouldn't want to be married? And they get into marriage self-absorbed. And then it goes from counseling session to a crisis counseling. And Pastor, we need help. What's wrong? Well, she did this and he did that. And what about me and me and me? And you have two self-absorbed people in a disastrous marriage because they never made it about God and their partner. Self-absorbed. We have self-absorbed children. They start young. They don't even talk yet, and they're crying for their bottle. They're like, me, 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 me. You know they're saying me, right? What about me? Self-absorbed. We get in this with God. When you pray, you're like, me, God, and and my knees, and God, do this for me, and what about me, God, and me? We get into every area of your life. You get into a job, self-absorbed. You're not there to work for them. They're there to work for you. Are you getting this? 
You know what happens when you become self-absorbed in any area of your life? This. You become empty inside. Some of the most miserable people in this life are self-absorbed. And when you are a self-absorbed person, you know what else would happen? You do this not only to yourself, you do it to those around you. You ever been with a selfish person? Don't they literally drain you? Don't they literally just suck the life out of you? It's so bad sometimes. You're just with them for a second. You're like, why do I want to kill myself? Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so sad? It's because you have just encountered the most selfish person. And it's all about them. That's what happened to Solomon. The Bible says that Solomon denied himself nothing. I want the best. I want the big house. I want to build a second house. I want the biggest vineyard. I want a thousand women. I want money and gold. I want fame. It's me, me, me. It's not about God anymore. It's not about people anymore. It's all about me. And it led to one choice, to another choice, and another bad choice, and to the point that he turned his heart from God and he let the enemy invade And his life was a mess. Case in point, if you want your life to be a mess, make life about you. Watch what happens. But if you want to see God give you more than you asked for, make life about God and others. Because when Solomon asked for wisdom, it moved his heart so much that he surpassed his provision of need. If you want to move the heart of God, stop being so self-absorbed. If you're a child, you better thank your mom and dad if you have them. If you go to this church, you better thank God you go to a church that's actually pretty good in my opinion. If you have a job, thank God for that. Because we have over a million that don't right now. We become so self-absorbed. And Philippians 2.4 says, to a church, two, three, and four. Don't be what? Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of what? Others. Think of others better than yourself. Don't Look out only for your own interest. See, God is not against you looking out for your interest. Don't leave this service saying, I'm never going to think of myself again. You extreme Christian, you know. God said the problem is when you only look at your interest. That word only. So let me close with this. You want to make a mess of your life. Think only about yourself. The Bible says, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look only for your own interest. But take interest in others too. Is it only about you? Is it only about you and your marriage? Hey, Does everyone have to walk on eggshells around you because you might get mad? It's only about you. Is it only about pleasing you? Is it only about getting your way? Is it only about your opinion? Is it only about your desires? Your purpose? The devil loves this because he used this on Eve. The Bible says Eve saw the forbidden fruit and saw that it was pleasing to her eye. 
What happened? Eve became self-absorbed. God gave her everything, but she was only focused on what she did not have, and she was only focused on what pleased her. And the devil's like, yes, you got it now, girl. Come on. She made it all about her and didn't care about the consequences. She even passed it on to Adam, her husband. Because selfish people don't care about who they hurt. They only think about what pleases them. But when you have a heart to serve God and serve others, God is so moved, he will actually turn to bless you. That's why Hannah, her womb was closed for years. The minute she prays, Lord, if you give me a child, I will serve him, but I will serve him for you. He will be yours and for the people. God said, now I can bless you. And he multiplied her with so many more children. Peter was on the boat trying to fish for himself trying to make a living for himself, trying for himself. Jesus came up and said, can I use your boat? Because I, I really want to use your boat to, to preach to others, God and others. And Peter's like, okay. And God multiplied the fish that day to the point that the boat almost sank. What's the difference? When it was about me, I was empty. But when I made my boat about God and others, he blessed it. The widow in the Old Testament was depressed and discouraged, making her last meal. That's how much of a drama queen she was. This is my last meal. And Elijah comes and says, I want you to serve me. I want you to cook something. I, I would love to, but I can't. You see, this is my last meal. I'm going to die because we're in the middle of a financial crisis. We have no food. We have no money. And he said, just do it. Trust me. So she, oh, I can't believe I have to serve him. What about me? I'm hungry too. And then she's like, Doma, here. God said, wow. And multiplied the oil so much that she, it was running over. Are you getting it now? God is moved in the heart of a selfless person. But if you want to make a mess of your life, like Solomon, become self-absorbed. Forget God, it's all about me. And as Solomon made it about himself, it destroyed everything that God actually blessed him with. That's why in the end of Solomon's life, Solomon said, you want to know out of all the things I learned, out of all the wisdom I got, out of all the knowledge I obtained, there's one thing I'm going to tell you. He said it in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. He said, there's one thing I learned. Everything I did was in vain. It was hopeless. It was useless. It left me empty. I had everything, anything I wanted. It was all about me. In the end, I realized the happiest I ever was was when I feared God and served Him. So you want to make a mess of your life? Leave this church service today. Self-absorbed. Or you can repent before God and say, Lord, I've made it about me when it's all about you. Bow your heads with me this morning. You want God to bless your mess right now. Chances are the messy situation you are is a result of a selfish decision you've made. You didn't think about God. You didn't think about others. You only thought about you. But God can still turn this around. If you repent of your selfishness. If your family, if your marriage, if your children, if your, anything is a disaster, it's because God said you made that choice. You made it about you. When it was about them, you were actually happier. 
but you became self-absorbed in your life. You became self-absorbed in your marriage. You became self-absorbed in the money I gave you in your finances. It's all been about you. But God says, if you will turn and repent and make it about me now, I'll get the enemy off you. I will give you more than you asked for. I want that Ephesians 3.20 prayer that God is able to do more than we imagine or even ask for. He's able, but he won't. Because we're selfish. Father, for every heart here today, for every self-absorbed person, that has made their life about them. Father, I pray that today you will give us a heart of repentance. It's always been about you. So Lord, let what you have given us be for you and for others. Give us more than we ask for by killing this selfish flesh of ours. Father, I pray for our nation and the self-absorbed people that make the blessing of this country about them. A nation that was once under you, God, has turned on you selfishness I pray for all the churches Lord that has made it about them and not you for every person that has made it about them and not you Father kill the selfishness in Jesus name this is your declaration today and say Lord I am dying I'm not dead to it yet but I am dying to this selfishness you put your hand up so I can Father, give us a heart to die to selfishness. Father, make it that we live about you. Forgive us for our arrogance and our pride and our selfishness. For those we hurt because of our selfishness. Father, bless this mess we've made with our selfish choices. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen and amen. Come on, give God some praise this morning.